0: Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week, we have my friend Mike Lemieux joining us. Mike was born and raised in Tempe, Arizona, but now makes his home in Nashville with his amazing wife, Ashley, and their cute dog named Oliver. Over the last several years, Mike has been a pioneer and leader in the social media and influencer marketing space. He currently runs his consulting company, Mike Social, where he teaches brands and individuals how to grow and monetize their social media audience through his e-course and one-on-one coaching. Mike's mission is to help good companies and good people learn how to share their story on social media in an organic way to help them grow their business as you can tell mike and i have quite a bit in common and it was super fun to bounce back and forth and be able to chat about what's working and what's not and really collaborate and share what we've learned over the years with our digital marketing backgrounds i had a blast with this conversation and we just jived so well so i know you're going to enjoy it and have a lot to learn mike really brings a lot of wisdom to the table when it comes to influencer marketing so i think you're going to love this episode As always, be sure to screenshot it, share it in your stories, on your feed, and tell us what you loved about the episode. Don't forget to tag Mike, tag me. We want to hear and see what you loved about it. And of course, this helps us share about the Radiant Podcast and this specific episode with your friends. It spreads the word. And that is my heart for 2019, is to get this podcast into the ears of more people. So I'd love that you're helping me. So guys, let's get to it. Let's dive in. Hey, Mike. Hey, Kelsey. I am super pumped to have you on. We have, you know, really been moving into the space of having guys on the Radiant Podcast. So you may be our third or fourth, and I'm so glad you're here.
1: Yeah, I'm super glad to be here, too. Thank you for allowing guys to be on and for allowing me to be on. I appreciate it.
0: I think y'all are doing pretty impactful work, too, so I thought it's only fitting to include you guys, but I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what you're doing. It seems like we're kind of operating in similar spaces, so I'm super pumped to kind of have a conversation and jive over that.
1: Yeah, me too. So my name is Mike Lemieux. Uh, I'm from Arizona, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. 33. I live with my wife, Ashley, and we have a little dog named Oliver. And I coach businesses and individuals on how to use social media to help them grow their business and make more money. And the way that I got started doing this was several years ago, I was working for a grocery chain and it was my first job that I ever got out of college. They were actually the only ones that offered me a job. And I was super grateful and happy to be working there. And I loved it. But there were a lot of things that I didn't like. The main thing was I felt like I had a really low glass ceiling and I could see that there was opportunity waiting for me. And I felt like I was supposed to be doing more, but I couldn't I couldn't break past this ceiling. I was being told that in order to be promoted, I would have to wait several years in order for that to happen, which would mean that I I would probably still be in the same position I was as I was in 2011 right now, which would be crazy to me to think about. But I I just, I felt like I was supposed to be doing more. And I wanted to spend more time with my family and have a better life and stop trading my time for, for money, so to speak. So what I did was I looked around at what opportunities I could create for myself. How could I make more money? What could I do that would allow my family to make more money with the limited skills that I had acquired since graduating college. And so my wife had a company, and still has it, that employs first-generation college students. She employs them, helps them to have a job so that they can pay for college, and she does this by having them create and sell jewelry. Instagram started getting more popular. This was in 2012. Instagram started getting more popular, and I I noticed that some of these women had, had a lot of followers, and I was like, whoa. I wonder if I could send them product and they'll talk about it with their audience and maybe help us sell it. And I was thinking, this is my way out of the grocery biz. I'm going to increase my wife's business so that I can create a job for myself. And it worked. I, I, I made a lot of, I had a lot of success with these influencer posts and, and uh, everything was going really well. It didn't actually turn into a full time job for me to work with her though but what it did turn into was I was able to leave the grocery industry and I got a job as the first employee of a startup company that was working with Instagram pages to promote different apps like for the phone and it was really neat because I was probably only one of the people in the world at the time in you know the mid middle of 2013 that had experience using influencers on social media especially Instagram this way and so it was a perfect natural fit. So I was working 55 or more hours a week at the grocery store, and then I would come home on my days off. and And don't tell anybody, but secretly I was going to the back room and working as well while I was supposed to be doing grocery store. So sorry about that if you guys are listening, but um, not that sorry. So I ended up working like 80 hours a week while I was kind of interning, so to speak, for them for a couple months, and then. I, it was doing really well. And I told her that I wanted to have her hire me. So we were both super scared. I was her, I ended up being her first employee and I managed the team that worked with all of the content creators or all of these social influencers to create the pictures and videos for the brands and for the apps. So we did that for a little less than two years and did millions of dollars in revenue, super successful. And then we ended up selling to the Walt Disney company which was a very exciting thing that happened to all of us. It was an incredible blessing and, and just an awesome experience. I continue to work for Disney in the same capacity. I was a senior director now, and I continued to manage the team, and we did even more business, and it was very successful and it was awesome. The two-year retention period was over uh, that they had given us after they acquired us to keep us around, and I had the choice to either move to Los Angeles or to get the boot. And in the back of my head, even since the grocery days, I had always wanted to do something else. I always wanted to work for myself. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew that I wanted to do something because I just, I knew that I had it in me. And so this was my opportunity. And so what I decided to do was take all my experience with helping my wife grow her, her now two seven figure businesses, helping other people start to grow through teaching them the principles and and some strategies of things that I had learned along the way and all of my influencer marketing experience. And I decided to create my own company. And so what I created was a a coaching and consulting firm to where I now work one-on-one with businesses or individuals to help them learn how to use social media the right way so that they can grow their business.
0: Wow. So, well, one thing I hear you say is, you know, as you are kind of toying with the idea of A, moving to L.A. or B, kind of starting something new, and then really going back to even the grocery store days, I I really like the phrase of what opportunities could I create for myself? And it sounds like you looked around and took the next right step right in front of you of knowing what you were good at, what you had seen um, work and starting there, what would your advice be to someone who is starting out, who's looking around, they know they want to do something else, but they really don't even know what opportunities they could create for themselves. I often see my friends, you know, when they step into something that just is kind of an aha moment or feels right. They've often been doing it behind the scenes for free for years. And the same went for myself. I did it for all of my friends before I ever charged a client for it. And so I often find that the opportunities we create for ourselves are, are what we've already been doing. What would you have to say to someone who's just kind of starting out and figuring that out?
1: I totally agree with you. I wasn't getting paid. I couldn't get paid to coach people while I was working for Disney because I wasn't allowed to. So I didn't people would just come to me that I knew that said, how do I work with more brands? And specifically one of my friends, Katie, Katie Stoffer, she came to me and, and asked me and I said, well, it, it's actually not the question of how do you work with more brands? It's what can you do to grow? Because when you grow, you're found. And when these brands and agencies find you, they work with you. So, I gave her a bunch of different tips and she ended up growing a million and a half followers on her Instagram over the next four months. And she went from 160,000 followers from April of 20, 2017 to now over 9 million followers across all of her platforms. And so she's, she's blown up, it's, it's been crazy. And celebrities repost her and everything, but I, if I hadn't taken the time to teach her and to teach other people before I went out on my own, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to go out on my own, Kelsey, because I had to prove my concept first. And so most people you hear, they'll say, yeah, I started my business in the first year I made zero dollars. And they're like proud of that. And I'm like, whoa, I would not be proud if I made nothing. I want to prove this now. Maybe there's something here. And so I started proving my concept before I had even launched so I had a case study before I had even opened the doors on my business. You, you're right. You just have to start. So to the person who's trying to figure out what their next step is, I think you just need to slow down. If you recognize that you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or anxious because you have to go work for someone else or you're not doing what you want to be doing with your time, that's the first step of recognizing it. Then you need to look at what you're good at. And then you need to say say to yourself, what can I do now that's going to add value to someone else? How can I help give one person, one person, what they want? And if you don't even know what they want, then you need to figure out what people want. But in order to make a sale, you just have to have one person. So that's what I would say to the person who's confused or or looking for the next step, I would say, what can you do to add value to someone else's life?
0: I 100% agree. And again, it sounds like our journey's been similar in the sense of, you know, working a day job, working on kind of the side part of it, you know, on the job often. (laughs) I did the same thing. Um, But what was your motivator in building out all of this um, kind of social, Strategy consulting, for me, I, I really enjoy helping someone expand their reach because it means their dream expands um, or their dream becomes possible because their reach has expanded. What has been your motivator and why did you keep at it after all these years um, through, you know, working one job, um, creating kind of a company and then selling it? Like what motivated you to stay in the social space? Because it can be a, honestly a really discouraging space.
1: It can be. It's it's caused a lot of depression and anxiety and FOMO. You know, and tons of people, millions of people, and it it can be dangerous, right? If you don't use social media as your tool, social media uses you as your as its tool, right? So you have to make sure that if you're in this space that you're not getting caught up in the riffraff and and the rat race, really, of all of this that's going down. But I think what why I kept going was because, you know, I never, maybe you, maybe you can relate to this or maybe listen the people listening. Maybe you can relate to this too, but I never knew what I really wanted to do. I changed my major all the way up until my senior year of college. And I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I literally changed it five times. I ended up choosing one that was just very broad. It was business management and i didn't want to work at a grocery store i had never aspired to do that they were the only ones that offered me a job and so as i started looking outside of myself and for this first opportunity when i was helping my wife i realized that i liked it i liked the massive amounts of execution that had to be done the negotiation with the influencers with their rates that they would be paid talking to them and teaching them, because I taught many influencers, hundreds of them, how to create branded content for these brands. And I realized that. And I remember specifically in in the first few months working for my new boss, I I called her and I said, this might sound really weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. I feel like I was made to do this. And for the first time, Kelsey, I, I actually felt happy about what I was doing. And so I, once I went through the, the, the journey of working at the startup and we sold and working through Disney, I still liked it. And I didn't want to just stop or throw it away or, or go back to doing something else and trying to find a new path. But instead, I looked at all the skills that I had acquired now, which were far more than when I started startup. And I said, what can I do now with the skills that I have in order to help others and give value to their lives? And what can I sell? How can I make money doing this? And then it evolved into my coaching program.
0: Yeah. One thing that I would love to hear you say, kind of just picking back off of kind of the evolution of how you kind of moved into this space um, on a coaching and consulting basis, how have you kept up with the evolution of social media and the changing tides. I mean, like we were laughing beforehand, one algorithm can send me into a panic attack. Um, not, not for me, I can get past it for me. But I, I have 45 clients on the line on any given month. And so, you know, how have you really grown as social media has grown? What has your relationship been like with change? And then also, you know, again, another another space we've evolved in, we were talking before this of when when I was in college, I I wanted to be a blogger or a writer but you know uh, blogging as a, as a means to maybe a book one day and I would count up what people were making on sidebar ads well it seemed like overnight no one's spending you know $500 a month on a sidebar ad anymore they used to so their whole revenue those bloggers revenue streams disappeared or maybe it moved to like Amazon clicks or whatever but you know what I mean it, it drastically changed and we're we're in a space that the landscape is ever changing. So no one becomes an entrepreneur for stability, <laughs> but um, maybe for freedom, but how have you really made peace with the ever changing landscape? How have you evolved and grown with it? How have you gotten comfortable with it always changing?
1: I think I've always been comfortable with it changing because it's always changed frequently. Does that make sense? Yeah. I the first time I I heard about Instagram, I think was the middle of 2012. And it was constantly changing all the time. They started adding video. They started adding stories a few years ago. They started adding highlights. And, you know, now you can see who you follow that other people follow, too. And it's it's more of a network now. Right. I think that it's always been changing. And I don't I don't care about change. I'd like change because they're constantly trying to make their platform better. And most people don't like change. So I realized a long time ago that if I can learn to like change and I can be the one that can teach people effectively how to cope with the change and how to continue to edit the strategy, then I'll win because they don't have to take the time and do the nitty gritty work to figure out, well, okay, what am I supposed to do now in order for this crazy algorithm to not destroy my feed? So I learned to love it because nobody else wants to, right? It's the big bad algorithm. Nobody wants to be a part of that guy because it doesn't make any sense. So that's I would say that that's been the most helpful thing for me and for my clients. And and really what I do is I have an e-course that teaches the fundamentals of how to create a social media feed that people want to follow, and that's for the basics. But then the coaching is one-on-one, and it's current, and we talk multiple times a month. There's always things that come up, and so you have to have regular communication with your people in order for them to continue to stay on top of the trend. But I've, I created my first version of my big e-course last October, and I've already redone it three times. So. <laughs> yeah, because they constantly are adding things and changing things. So you just have to you just have to make the changes.
0: I'm refilming Friday.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're refilming Friday. Perfect.
0: So how has that though how I would like to hear, you know, how you and, and your wife really y'all both have businesses that have been reliant on the social media space in a way. So how have you gotten comfortable with that? Because both of you don't have a day job to fall back on at this point. And so for me, learning to operate from a place of peace versus fear every time something changes has been a big um, ongoing discipline in my life. And I think it's super important to have this conversation so that people can listen in and understand that we're all navigating this and maybe the fear doesn't go away. I think it's almost more important to normalize it.
1: That's a great question. Do you live in peace knowing that it could change every day? I don't. But I think that what I do know and believe is that if I focus on the fear of it potentially changing every day, because it's it's actually a conversation that I had with my wife yesterday, what if it changes? What if all of a sudden you have to pay $100 a post in order for 50 people or more to see your post? Like, that would be crazy. And it, it probably would would die. Right. But I can't live in the fear and and no one should live in the fear of, well, what if it all changes? The fact of the matter is it's still working. It's so ingrained into society that Instagram and Facebook know what they have and they know how important it is to so many people. It's important to them too. And so they're not going to do anything so irrational that it's gonna get people to want to leave the platform, like in a mass exodus style of thing. So knowing that and just really trusting that as long as I can pay attention to the minor changes that are made and sometimes major, and to be able to teach the psychology of the marketing of it and everything and telling stories and creating valuable content for people that's not just selling them all the time, right? That's what's going to sustain my type of business and really your type of business. Anybody that's trying to use social media for a blog or for a, if they're a dentist or whatever they may be, it's just constantly creating that value for others.
0: Yeah, I think that's 100% true. And, and yeah, the, to answer kind of your question at the beginning, no, it doesn't. The fear doesn't go away. And um, I do find myself operating from a place of peace more and more often. Um, I feel like the Kelsey coaster has rolled into the peace station (laughs) lately. Uh, but you know, you, you caught me three weeks ago with an Instagram press release, uh, maybe not so, not so peaceful. And so, um, just like for me, the trade-off is freedom. Um, that's what I'm motivated by. And so every single day I choose to have the risk and have the, um, have a little bit more on the line personally to be able to live from a pra- place of freedom and run my business and not, you know, have to go to a nine to five anymore. Uh, but some days it sure does sound nice uh, because <laughs> there's a lot on the line and it's always changing. I think um, I'd love to hear your thoughts here. But when I got started, I thought the beginning phases would be the hardest. I kind of just didn't maybe just hadn't even thought far enough ahead, although I, I tend to live in the future, but in this, in this, you know, conversation, I hadn't thought far enough ahead to realize, oh, every business is going to have a dip. I think Seth Godin has a book that I'm supposed to be reading called The Dip. You know, every business is going to have a dip. You know, I just never thought that the beginning phases wouldn't be the hardest, but then you kind of graduate and you get further and further into your business and then you have employees and then you have higher overhead costs and I realized a lot more is on the line in the middle than was at the beginning. And so while I was scared then, now when I get scared, um, it feels like so much more is at stake. Therefore, it feels like a lot more fear. So I I think I've just had to learn and focus on this year. I kind of forgot the question I was asking, but um, focus on more this year of how to like really thrive in every season and thrive with something that's always changing. I don't know if that's something that y'all have to work on or navigate as well, or, or really probably navigate this question with clients a lot.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. And you think it is unrealistic to think that every single month you're going to have double digit increases or every quarter you're going to have double digit increases in profit, no matter what. I mean, I was with Disney for a couple of years. Right. And it was crazy because they were having double digit increases every single quarter. That's not every single quarter of every single year ever. Right. So I think that the best thing to do when that happens is to just realize, okay, it's time that we take a step back. Why are we having this dip? If you're a product-based business, do you need to come out with a new line or a new capsule or something because your audience has been saturated with what you're already trying to do? Do you need to send product to an influencer to reach new people so that your dip is not really a dip, but it's a flat line? Or maybe that will actually increase it so that you're going uphill again in a good way. If it's a services-based business, same questions, but do you need to also go back to school and learn how to do more services, how to improve them, get another certification, whatever it may be? I think, and, and I, I read something this morning, I don't remember who said it, but the best business people are very good students and they're always students. I don't, no matter how long I've been doing this and how long I will do it, I don't know everything about social media. And I don't look at that as a weakness. I look at it as that's actually a strength for me because I'm constantly focusing on how can I create a more profitable feed and better content that's going to give more value to people's lives that will in turn raise my raise their trust in me and make them want to buy. And as I continue to sharpen my skills, and as you do, people are going to see that you're constantly learning. Do you know anybody that's really, really smart? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and do you like that person when they tell you things? Do they tell you stories in a way that you actually want to listen, or do you feel like they're lecturing you?
0: I think, you know, I've got a little bit of both in my life, and I really enjoy the ones who tell me things in a way I want to listen.
1: Exactly, because I realized that if you are teaching at people and you're lecturing them about what they need to be doing differently in order to find happiness or lose weight or finally make money, that's not gonna resonate with anybody. But if you show that you are a student of life as well, and you are constantly trying to learn, then you will be adding value to their lives and they'll actually pay attention to you because nobody wants to be taught at or chastised or lectured at, right? That's, no, that's not how it works. That's why, that's why I hated school in some of my classes was because they were just teaching at me. But I've loved some of my mentors, some of my favorite mentors, because they share it with me as if it's what they've learned and they've gone through it too.
0: That's good. You know, and it's a, it's a reminder too, that I think as an educator, which we both kind of, um, work in that area, mm-hmm. you know, coming from a place of vulnerability. And I I remember a mentor of mine looking at me and helping myself, helping, helping me differentiate myself from some of my competitors who might have a similar e-course or whatever, you know, similar Mm -hmm. coaching program. And I remember her saying like, Kelsey, like you're still in the, in the thick of it. Like you, it's not just your account that maybe you grew overnight, but like you have, 45 people's on the line. You have to evolve and pivot with every single algorithm change, with every kind of evolution in the Instagram space. You know, that's what we were chatting about. And I really hadn't thought of it in that context before because, you know, I could look around. I could see someone with a bigger audience having a um, more successful numbers profit-wise course, but her saying, look, you're going to be able to relate to certain people because They see that you still have to be scrappy. These clients pay you every month and you've got to deliver. You've got to figure it out what works for people across the board. And so I think what you're saying is so true in the sense of it requires a little bit of vulnerability to not be that expert that has it all figured out. But that's always learning, always educating ourselves and submitting ourselves as a student as well, so that we can take back what we learn and give it to our people and our tribe. So uh, I love everything you're saying. Um, What would your advice be to someone who is kind of just starting out, really building out their social media presence, um, really building out their brand in general? What would your advice be there?
1: Well, I actually, I have a free guide that I typically give out to people who are wanting to learn how to grow their social media. And if you want, we can link that in this podcast. I'd be happy to give it out to people. But there's three reasons that people are not growing their social media. It's not stupid things like, you're not posting enough, you're not following and unfollowing enough people, you're not commenting on people's posts for two hours a day. The, the three reasons are, you're getting in your own way, you're not vulnerable enough, and you need to add more value. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Does that sound like basically everything that I've been saying? Like, you need to, you need to get out of your own way. You need to be more vulnerable and you need to add more value. And if you can do those three things, you will separate yourself and differentiate yourself enough so that people will notice that you're different. And they will latch on to it, and they'll say, "Wow, this actually makes a lot of sense," and that will give you a jump start and a boost to help you get going right away.
0: I am 100% tracking with you. So I have a question to piggyback off of that because I think this will be a really helpful conversation to our listeners. But um, you know, in a in a social media world where everyone's doing the same thing really the key is to differentiate yourself and to be vulnerable and to be different. But it's so easy to get caught up in comparison and say, that's working or this Facebook ad with this strategy promised me I'd make a million dollars tomorrow and I've got to do it this way. But really what I hear you saying and and what I agree with is, is to kind of really lean into your own expression that looks different than what other people are doing. How do you do that?
1: You don't copy other people. (laughs) Yeah. You don't plagiarize their work you have a life that is very special no matter who you are you've been through what you've been through and that's yours to share you get to share your experiences you're not going to resonate with everybody though and not everybody's going to care about the things that you've been through because they're not interested in those types of things and that's okay it's supposed to be that way. Nobody you you can't be everything to everyone. You're not pizza. I think that's <laughs> what the phrase <laughs> is, right? And now they even have gluten-free and vegan pizza, so you really pizza really is everything to everybody. So, you're you're not pizza, right? But you really need to I call it niching down. You need to create content that you have experience with and you actually can create consistently create content. So that other people can continue to learn from you and get what they want from from you because you're a source of knowledge and wisdom and empowerment for them.
0: That is good. Um, How would you say one could pull out their story from, you know, like. I'm trying to think of how I want to word this, you know, for me, I look at my own life and I look at the vulnerable places that might be harder to talk about, or I, you know, really I'm trying to develop what I want to say Um, in for, for me, if I'm, I'm the face of my brand for Kelsey Chapman, I am, but say, you know, I work with a lot of pure bar studios. The owner is not the face of their brand. The client is. So, um, you know, how would you, help someone or guide them through pulling out their own story or really developing it because it it's hard it's a discipline
1: It is hard. I have the way that I get most of my coaching clients is is through this little survey that I've created and a lot of them will respond the same way when I ask them the question of what's the biggest thing that you struggle with and what they say is they're fearful that if they actually share who they really are, that their friends and family will think less of them or laugh at them or make fun of them. Isn't that crazy? Yep. It's crazy, but it's, it's a true thing. Why, but why are we fearful of what people are going to think about us? Who, who are they to tell us that what we believe in or what we're passionate about is stupid?
0: Man, I mean, I could answer this as having navigated this. You know, our our mutual friend Nikki and I were sitting over lunch, and she kind of made me ask myself a question. I And I'm pretty, like, introspective. Like, I sit my butt in the chair at counseling every single week. But I hadn't been asked this question of, like, what happened to make you believe you couldn't show up authentically as yourself? Because for me, it's not my family or my friends. My They think I'm awesome, and my self-talk is pretty awesome. Like, I don't really have negative self-talk day to day, but I have been golden girl to a circle and know, I know what it costs to not be anymore, to make one decision where everything changes and you no longer are golden girl. You no longer made the decision that everyone thought you should make for your own life and it cost you something. That has been me. And that is what I really unpacked maybe two months ago of like, this is why I've stopped showing up. This is why my voice has fallen flat on Instagram because it's glossed over and it's no longer vulnerable because I'm so scared of showing up and what it'll cost me. Not with my friends and family. Again, they think I'm awesome. With, you know, watching an author who makes one statement and her books are pulled or, you know, everyone who used to love her no longer does. It's really scary to show up.
1: Of course it is because you don't want to offend people. You don't want to offend the wrong people, especially. But what's worse? Not being yourself because you're scared that other people are going to think that what you really are is, is not okay. Or choosing to be what you think people want and sacrificing and compromising your own values. What I have to say about that and to you, Kelsey, specifically and to anybody else that's listening that might might have had this problem is if you made a mistake that's okay and it's really okay too because you'd still deserve to enjoy what you're doing and to feel gratification with your life and to feel happy to feel joy to you you really owe it to yourself to stop dwelling on what happened And to really just move forward, learning from the scenario or the situation of what happened. And even if you make the same mistake again, that's okay. Just keep going forward. Because I I can tell you from personal experience that you literally have no idea, no idea the impact that your words and your actions have on other people, the positive ones. I have received messages from dozens of people this year and my wife is much cooler than I am. She's received probably thousands. I mean, honestly, but it's crazy because you really just don't know the impact that your words and your deeds have on people that are watching you and that they need. If you pray and you ask to be able to help somebody, You're going to be able to help somebody, whether that's through a social media post or a phone call from an old friend or family member. You're going to get that. But if you're worried that by helping or being yourself that you're going to offend, you are eliminating yourself the opportunities that you would have had if you had just opened your mouth. So don't be afraid. Just speak slowly and talk and say what people need to hear
0: man that's that is so good and honestly i think our listeners today are going to find this conversation so relevant because i think we're all going to navigate fear at some point in our journey um i tend to navigate it more often than not because i kind of my probably core struggle in life is going back goes back to fear um but You're right. You know, the freedom in showing up anyways when you're scared, when it might cost you something, is so much greater than the downside of not showing up to begin with. And and I've had to learn that the hard way. You know, I I didn't even realize I was operating out of that place subconsciously until I was asked that question because I, you know, and, and in my situation, I actually didn't do anything wrong. I just learned a lesson of, oh, if I don't make the decision that people want me to make for myself, if I go in a a different direction because I, you know, have peace that I might be making the best decision for my life, heaven forbid, and it costs me something, you know, I I think everyone's going to navigate that at some point or another, or they're going to just have an experience where maybe they do screw up or maybe they do say something or maybe they launch something and it doesn't go well and we all think, you know, oh, what does that look like to other people? Or what if someone took that wrong? Or what if it, you know, what if that tarnishes my reputation? I think we're all going to navigate that in some capacity, but it costs so much more negatively than, to not show up That's than, right. than what you gain positively from being brave and showing up anyways. That's right. Man, that's a good word, Mike. I have loved our conversation. I could talk all day long. I think we'll have to definitely have you back on to keep talking about social strategy to keep with this conversation because um, I think we're all trying to figure out this space that's always changing. You know, we're that's right. we're. That's right. we're online business is a relatively new space. um, And we're all just trying to figure it out as it evolves. Um, I I don't know about you, but I grew up with parents who were small business owners um, and what they navigated just looked a lot different than what online entrepreneurs are navigating. So thank you so much for joining me today. Where can everyone find you? Where can they keep up with you? How can they work with you? Tell us all the things.
1: Yeah. My main platform is Instagram. Instagram. And my Instagram handle is my name, Mike Lemieux. If you're not sure how to spell that, that's okay. My wife didn't until we had been dating each other and engaged for like three months. So don't feel bad. Um, But it's M-I-K-E-L-E-M-I-E-U-X. And my website is pretty simple. It's MikeSocial.com. And there you can get a hold of me either way.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Mike.
1: Thank you so much for having me Kelsey it's it's truly my pleasure and
0: This weekend, get to Kohl's and save even more on holiday gifts with an extra 20 or 15% off. Save big on floor gear. Get 15% off select toys and up to 30% off limited edition beauty and fragrance gift sets. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, shop our daily deal reveal. Plus, free store pickup. Give with all your heart. Kohl's. Select styles. 20 and 15% offer valid December 10th through December 20th. With promo code big savings. Offers and coupons do not apply to toys and beauty. Daily deal reveal valid December 10th through December 14th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. As a pro, the last thing you need is to run out of what you need. And time spent waiting on supply runs is money right out of your pocket. The good news is the Home Depot can deliver straight to the job site. That keeps your crews on the job, not the road. And that saves you money, putting time back in your day and savings back where they belong. Delivery options, big, small, right to the job site.
1: Whenever you say, visit homedepot.com delivery. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.